When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osman Auction. And now, the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. McDavid still raking. It squirts free. Open man. Backhanded back door. What a save made by Hellebach. I can't believe it. Dry Seidel thought he had a hat trick. And Hellebach with robbery. 23 seconds to play. And it's 4-3. And Connor Hellebach just made his best career save against Edmonton. A brilliant save by Hellebuck with 23.2 seconds left in the third period. You saw Dreisaitl camped out all alone just to the side of the goal. Could the Oilers get him the puck? They could. And he fired it, and Hellebuck made himself as big as he could and got the glove across and denied Dreisaitl the tying goal and the hat trick, and the Jets win it 4-3 on New Year's Eve at Rogers Place. That is your save of the game for Jiffy Loop, keeping you moving to and from the game, jiffyloopservice.ca. Hey, thanks for spending some of your New Year's Eve with us. It is 9.58. We're eight stories above the ice at Rogers Place, along with Rob Brown. I am Reed Wilkins. So, well, it's a lost homestand for the Oilers. Uh, They lose all five games. In regulation, they have lost six in a row in regulation. They were once six games over 500. They are now exactly 500 at 18, 18, and three. And of course, uh, 500 in the NHL not nearly good enough. So they're playing catch up, looking for a playoff spot. And uh, they made a couple of trades yesterday. We'll talk about how Manning and Petrovich fit in. But really, Rob, uh, again, you have. The Oilers' big three, as they're increasingly being known, creating and and getting pucks in and making good passes and obviously scoring. And when one of those guys isn't on the ice or some combination, it's just a lot of plays that usually go nowhere. And, and you wonder, and you and I have talked about it a, a little bit uh, off air, if the the ceiling of the depth players has been hit. Maybe maybe the depth players aren't as strong as the Oilers had hoped for them to be. Maybe that uh, they need different answers because, you know, small segments, you know, you have five games, 10 games, 15 games, there's going to be players that are going to struggle at those times. The puck's going to knock one in that, no puck luck, no bounces, things like that. But when it continues over and over and over again, and the, these players that are the depth players for the Edmonton Oilers, it's not like they're not getting ice time because the, the the main three are getting their points, but they're out there with other players on the ice, and they're playing with the Nugent Hopkins, they're playing with the Dry, so they're playing with the McDavid, and they're just not creating enough. They're not getting into the the right areas enough, and they certainly aren't putting the puck in the net enough. And what we saw tonight, and I know that the Oilers are banged up on the back end, and that certainly plays 
a part of uh, the Winnipeg win. But in this win tonight, the Winnipeg Jets' top players were not strong. Uh, this was probably the quietest I've seen of Patrick Line. I didn't notice him all night. Shifley, who I, I love as a hockey player, didn't really see much out of him. Wheeler had the one good shot, nothing else. Ellers, nothing. It wasn't those players that beat the Oilers. It was their fourth line scores two goals. Their third line gets a goal. Uh, that's why the Oilers lost this hockey game. And the Oilers haven't had that kind of um, contribution from anyone outside of the top three. And I'm not just saying games. It's weeks and months since somebody has, has put up a number for them that it wasn't one of their star players. It has come back to bite them. And something that you and I talked about at the beginning of the season, where we felt the Oilers lacked the most, and it was addressed by a lot of people in the media, was their wings. Was there, could they find enough guys to put the puck in the net? And they had hoped through the preseason that a Pugliarvi, a Ratty, a Yamamoto could do it. And then they found out early, they want... It's a little bit quicker when you get to, to the regular season games, and those young players weren't capable of doing it, and it hasn't been addressed. And here we are. What game is this now for the U.S.? Close to 40, I guess, 39, I this think. This is 39. 39, so we're halfway through the season, and we got players that are playing significant minutes with one goal, two goals, three goals, zero goals, and that's not good enough to win in the National Hockey League. Eventually, the other team will shut down your top players. If, if you look at the goal scoring over the course of the six-game losing streak... Leon Dreisaitl, five goals. Mm-hmm. That's good. Very good. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, four goals. Very good. McDavid, two goals, but he's in on almost every yeah. every goal one way or the other. Chason's played four of those six games. He has two goals. Uh, Caleb Jones, a goal. Good for him. Yep. And Jesse Pugliarvi has one. So they of the forwards who played tonight, because Chason was out, they had four of the 12 who had a goal in the last six games. And outside of the big three, it, it was just... Pooley Arvey, who but, had one. And, and look at the start, the starting lineup, the lines that uh, Ken Hitchcock wanted to go with. So the, you're, you're, you're all world player, best player in the world. Connor McDavid starts the game. He's got Jujar Kara on one wing, who is is a, f- a very good fourth line player. Ty Ratty on the other wing, who's been a healthy scratch a lot of games under Ken Hitchcock. Your second line, Leon Dreisel, his winger, his one winger's got zero goals on the season. His other winger, who was the other guy playing with. Uh, Dreisaitl in Reader was... Spooner. Spooner. Has two, who's been, two, two goals as an Oiler. Two goals, and he's been a healthy scratch most of his games here, a lot of his games. Or when he is playing, he's playing four or five minutes. Your third line, Nugent Hopkins, you got Lucic, who's got two goals in his last 85 games on one side. And Pugliarvi, who's probably three goals in his last 40 or 50, something along that now. So those are the wingers that are playing on your top three lines. That's why I told you before the game, it'd be sometime in the second period when those lines would be abandoned because the, they do not have enough depth on their wings to be able to split all those three up. And whichever guy is the odd man out between Nugent Hopkins, Settle, and McDavid, whoever's not playing with one of the others, is all of a sudden left alone in his game because he does not have two line mates right now that not only consistently, but periodically score a goal for the Edmonton Oilers. Well, and they don't get tons of shots. Outshot 36-24. The Oilers have been outshot in eight of their last nine games. They've hit 30 shots only once in those nine games. And again, I think it comes down to, you know, I don't want to pick, I'll mention names, but it was a lot of guys. Pugliarvi gets the puck over the blue line pass is intercepted. Lucic gets the puck over the blue line. Pass goes to nobody. Uh, I mean, Brodziak and Cassian, I'm not going to say as much about their fourth-line guys. And Brodziak actually got a good scoring opportunity in the third. Hellebuck won the battle. Okay, good for him. But yeah, that's another concerning thing is, uh, you know, early when Hitchcock came in, 
they were at least maintaining zone time mm-hmm. and, and, and getting shots and, and, and creating a little bit of havoc in the other team's ends. But it's, again, other when usually McDavid, Dreisaitl, or Nugent Hopkins carries the puck in, I don't even know if it's really a one-and-done because often there isn't even a shot. It, it's cross the blue line, lose the puck, and the other team well, comes the other way. To quote Craig Matavish, the play is dying on sticks, yeah. and, and, and too often. And when when the Oilers first came, started playing under Ken Hitchcock, they, they played a very simple game, and they got pucks in deep. They got in on the forecheck, but they've gotten away from that in this last little while, and they're trying to create things that aren't there. And at some point, you got to find out what your strength is. And, and, and for the Oilers, it's pretty easy. You just look at the stat page. And if you don't have a 97 uh, or a 93 or a 29 beside your number, well, then you're not a, you're not a skilled player. You're not a skilled, skilled enough player to try guys one-on-one. So unless you have an odd man break, get pucks in deep. Get a four-check going. Put it right behind the defenseman. Use your speed and work it that way. Because what we're seeing too often is we're having a lot of hope plays. And hope plays don't work right now for the Edmonton Oilers. So... This is a team that is fragile confidence-wise offensively outside of three players, but they got to somehow find it quick because this uh, there's no such thing as a do-or-die game when you can actually continue to make the playoffs if you lose the next three or four. But the Oilers are now allowing other teams back into this race that yep. they're going to have to race with, and they're starting to lose sight of certain teams ahead of them. And they can't afford to fall too far behind because now you're starting to hope that other teams are going to lose later in the season and you're not going to control your own destiny. You know, and, and that's where I, I would especially be, if we want to talk about the forward depth, that's where I, I would be and I have been especially critical of, of Peter Shirelli. And I, and I don't want to get into individual trades and go back several years tonight nope. because every GM has good and bad on his record. Uh, but Peter Shirelli said in the summer, you know, I think we're closer to the playoff team of 17 than the non-playoff team of of 18 yeah using the the year where the season's finished okay fair enough that's the that's the gm thinking that he fires todd mcclellan and says i i think that we are a better team than what we've shown he comes out and does a scrum today and and i asked him about who's going to provide depth scoring he says well guys have to step up which again indicates to me he thinks the, these players have more in, in them to give and that's where I would question his his read on, on some of these players. Uh, now, Lucic, we could do a whole show on Lucic. He, he actually was good for a year and a half here. Last mm-hmm. year has been uh, been a been a disaster. But like Jujar Kara, I think is uh, if he's on your fourth line, you probably have a really good team. If Absolutely. he's on your third line, you probably have a decent team. Well, tonight he's being asked to play on the fourth line. Jujar Kara is not a sniper. He's nope. a guy who might get you okay seven, ten, twelve if he has a great year. Okay, great. So. But I, 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 and I'm not saying maybe, I don't know if that's directly who Shirley's talking about, but I, I'm, I'm looking outside of those high scores and I'm saying, thinking to myself, well, who, who is it specifically that you're thinking is going to get to, you know, 15, 20, 25? Like they had a couple guys doing in support um, two years. I mean, I guess it might be, be Chase on, and he's been an incredible story. He, he has been, but you're asking players to play better than they've played before. I mean, you just can't expect players to give you something they've never given you before and and hang your hat on that because you're going to ask for trouble. Um, the, the Oilers tonight, uh, a, a number of players, uh, it, <laughs> trying to think of how to explain this, 
you're asking well, at the end of the day, you're asking players to do things incapable of doing. Right. And and the one thing that I question, and I, again, don't talk about individual trades, but. Drake Kajula has strengths and he has weaknesses. There's warts in his game. But you're a team that is very, very weak, very slight on the wings. He's a guy that actually had that try every game he played. He's got a, a little bit of a, a, an uptick where he gets streaky every once in a while and puts a puck in the net. And the Oilers move him out. And that's where I'm like... I understand they needed more depth, and that's why the first trade here saying, okay, that makes sense. They needed a bigger defenseman, someone that can, you know, stop what's going on here, stop the bleeding. But the second one, you're trading a depth winger that actually has shown the ability to put the puck in the net. And then you're like, okay, where are they going to get the goals that he's he's not going to give them anymore? And if you do it, right now the others are healthy up front. Except for Chase. Yeah, except for Chase. But where, now, what if injuries happen? Now you don't even have a cajole anymore. So that one was a, an odd one for me. But at the end of the day, the Oilers right now are too top-heavy. Mm-hmm. And Well, no, it's nice to be top-heavy. It's heavy. nice to be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're too, they're, well, you're right. Sorry, too, they're, they're too, too dependent. Light. They're too light they're too on the de- other nine they're guys. They're too, de- too, too dependent on top-heavy. And the other problem with that, it's another thing. If Okay, Colorado Avalanche, they're top-heavy. But then the rest of the lines, they play even-steven. Yeah. And that's not happening here. Uh, tonight, the, the fourth line for the others is getting beat. The third line of the others is getting beat defensively. It's one thing to not score, but you certainly can't be on the ice for goals against. Yeah, and that's and I mean we take calls. I mean fans get frustrated after losses, and, and I don't blame them. The team's been bad for a long time. Now they've lost six in a row, but it's not all we. Okay, Tam, t- uh, sorry, San Jose, they, they sagged. Yeah. You know they they got they they got flustered. They they, they sagged. They they got negligent, and it spun out of control. Every once in a while that happens, but when you look at players and think, well, they're probably playing at or close to as best they can, but they're still not performing, well, then they're then they're miscast. Then they're in the wrong part of the lineup. I mean, they may be NHL players, but they're being asked to, to do things beyond their skill set. And again, that's that's would be my criticism of, of Shirelli. I feel he has seen things in, in players, you know, more often than not, that, that haven't been there or haven't come to fruition in what he anticipated their potential to be. Well, and, and that's the other thing. You can't live on potential. There, there's got to be something that you've seen in the past that can indicate that they're going to get there again. And you're asking that tonight, you talk about Jujar Kara. He's playing on the first line. Where has Jujar Kara ever been a first line hockey player? How are you expecting him to become a goal scorer all of a sudden and play with Connor McDavid? Uh, so it's like I said to you off air, I said, that'd be like me saying, okay, you're chasing, you're, you're running against Usain Bolt. You know what, just try harder. I mean, you know what, he, he's beat, he beat you the last three times, but try harder. Yeah. You, there's some things you're incapable of doing, and right now I think that the Oilers are asking players to do things or produce things that they're incapable of doing. And that's why you, at the end of the night, you're always seeing the exact same numbers on the score sheet for the, for the Edmonton Oilers. Jets win at 4-3. It is Brendan Lemieux scoring twice, including the game winner on a tip with 5.58 to go. Nugent Hopkins scored in the first period for the Oilers. Dreisaitl had goals in the second and in the third. All right, so the two new players for the Oilers today, Brandon Manning and Alex Petrovich, both on defense. Uh, Rob, we had Petrovich come over from... Florida. He plays 2021, is minus one with five hits. And Manning, who wore number uh, 26, minus one, 13 minutes, uh, three hits on a shot on goal, five block shots. How, how do you think those guys uh, play? Petrovich, uh, I thought he had good moments. He, he does move the puck well. Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to say just seeing him one time, but it looks like his boots 
His skating is probably what holds him back from being a top four defenseman. Uh, there's a couple times that guys took him wide, and that, that's going to be an issue for him. But I thought he, he understands his role, moves the puck well, uh, good body positioning. I, th- I thought now he was the, the addition I thought was going to help the others. A big body that you can use as a penalty killer, use down in your own zone when you're playing against some bigger teams to, to stop the cycle. Uh, and then Manning, the one thing we knew about Manning is Manning has plays close to the edge, sometimes crosses it. Tonight he plays close, close to the edge, a couple of huge hits. One I thought probably should have been called. He drilled a guy from behind into the boards, but he gives you, uh, gives some players on the other team something to think about. Um, so, again, he was fine. There were, there were moments, but... It, they're third-pairing guys. Yeah, and they are. And, again, being asked to play uh, above their pay grade. I mean, Petrovic played 21 minutes almost tonight. That That's second-pairing minutes. So you're asking him to play higher, but what can you do when you have three players out of the lineup? Hopefully we'll see Russell sooner than later, and, and the others can somehow sneak a few wins out before they get Clefbaum and Sekra back. All right, 4-3, the Jets take it. We'll get to your phone calls in a few minutes, but right now downstairs to the Oilers' room for GCL Diesel, genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices, gcldiesel.com. Here's Coach Ken Hitchcock. Ken, uh, you, you mentioned the team seemed to sag in recent games, and that was an area of concern. Today, whenever the team got down, it didn't seem that that was an issue. Uh, is that encouraging despite the result? And Is that attributed to maybe the roster shuffle or just the players being fed up with recent results? Well, because of the guys we brought in, um, you know, the three gritty guys, we played much better, we played much harder, we competed at a higher level. The difference in the game was the bottom end of their lineup outplayed the bottom end of our lineup. That's, uh, that's the big difference in the game. And, you know, we had a lot of we had a lot of people play very well. Uh, for me, Caleb Jones was outstanding. Jesse played well again. Uh, so there's some encouraging signs with some of our younger guys. But like I said, our bottom end got outplayed. And it's happened too much lately. And it's really hurt us a lot. So that would be discouraging when, when Lemieux scores two and Shafley doesn't get a point and you still lose the game? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... You can't have you can't have your bottom part of your lineup be minus players. There's it takes too much to recover from that, and there's we we, we got to be better back there. Like the back end, and I, I don't mean back end defense. I mean back end, you know, your bottom six and and uh, your back end pairs. That we got to be better. I uh, can uh, sorry Manning and Petrovic. How do you think they played? I'm sorry? Manning and Petrovic on defense, how did you think they... Well, I, th- I think for, for what they went through, is they, they, helped, they helped tremendously. I mean, Petro walks into a situation where he's, uh, he's matched up against the other team's top players and uh, play, comes, plays 20 minutes tonight. Manning flew all day. He was exhausted, but he gave us what he had. I thought both guys contributed a lot. And they're obviously going to help us a lot right now. Ken, uh, you touched on Caleb Jones. He had nearly 24 minutes tonight. What are some of the things that he's doing that's earning your trust? He's just so good and calm under pressure. I mean, he's going to... He has, he has a chance to be outstanding. I mean, it's pretty nice to see. Uh, Ken, this is the first time that you've tried uh, Nugent Hopkins, McDavid, and Dreisaitl centering different lines, diverted uh, that in the third period. But what did you think of the first two periods of that plan? Well, I, I thought those guys that we go to every game, played their hearts out. 
McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, they played their hearts out. And we need more support. And we need those players. The Cavalry isn't coming for those players. You know, sure, are we going to get Chase on back? Are we going to get Russell back? Sure. Uh, but we need, we need the bottom end of our team to start playing better if we expect to get to the next level. We're covering our own weight at the top, but we need better play from the bottom end of our group. And for us to get to the next level and be competitive, that's depth. And the depth is in our lineup, but we got to get it to play better, quite frankly. So do those players at the bottom end just not have the offensive moxie to score some goals, or are they just not getting into position to score them? I don't think it has anything to do with scoring goals. I think it has everything to do with impacting the game, Jim. And it, it, they can't just kill minutes on the clock. They've got to impact the game. And that starts with effort. It starts with getting the other team's attention. But there's too many quiet games that go by that there's people just trying to survive. It's not good enough. And it has to change. No, sorry. When, when you look at the Jets as a team, what do you see? Um, well, a team that's been built for six years now to this is the year seven i guess seven of the build and uh, a team that's been built for an extended period of time to to go the distance and you see that in their play they're a great test i thought we hung right there against a hell of a hockey club but you see all the little things that you get and especially you know they're building a team and I did not notice a lot of the top end guys today, but I noticed, I noticed the middle to back end of the lineup. They had an impact in the game in a major way, and that's built. That's a team. They took it upon themselves to not allow the top end to carry them all the time. That's that's how you build camaraderie. That's how you build a team, and they they got the effort at certain stages from from key role players, and. If we're going to grow, that's going to have to happen from us. All right, that's Oilers head coach Ken Hitchcock. His team has lost six straight, 4-3. The Jets able to hold off the Oilers tonight at Rogers Place. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, 780-496-0063 is the open line. We'll bring Carl onto the show. Carl, thanks a lot for calling. How's it going, guys? Doing well. Go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to... I mean, you guys touched on it. Just no, uh, no depth. Uh, there's nothing there. Um, what was your guys' perspective on uh, Manning and um, Petrovic? Yeah, Rob touched on that uh, a bit, but just give a quick summary, Rob. I, I, I thought Petrovic. How do you would say Petrovic? I thought that uh, he made good plays. Uh, was uh, jumped in the play a little bit, moved the puck well. I think that his biggest uh, negative is probably his feet. Probably not the quickest feet, but uh, players, and I, and I know what that's like, so players that, that, that feet aren't fast, you learn to use body positioning, get in the right spots, angle the right way. Uh, so I thought he did a fairly good job with that. I mean, as Hitch just said, he's a, a, normally a third-pairing guy that went against the Winnipeg Jets' best players tonight. So, and I thought he was, you know, pretty good. 21 minutes playing against the best players, looked okay. Manning, I thought, came in, and 
He he he, he plays with edge. He he very physical. Plays with a little bit of nastiness, and we saw that a couple times tonight. He only played 12 minutes, but I think those are the type of minutes he's going to get. He's going to be a third-pairing guy that will put in, put out situationally, and would be expected to uh, be a little nasty and, and put a little fear into the team he's playing against. All right, Carl, you are going to finish the play tonight. We want to put your name into the grand prize draw. For a one-hour rental, Fast Track Indoor Karting. It's worth a 1000 bucks. Safe adrenaline pumping fun. FastTrackKartingEdmonton.com. He'll dish. Centering pass, and Perot lost the handle. And now battling Perot, collided with a teammate, and here's Darnell Nurse, and all of a sudden the Oilers have a four-on-three if they want it. Drysaddle at center, rather conservatively, just dumps it in, and Edmonton will be content to change. All right, well, there's just a, uh, that's just kind of a random piece of audio for you from a New Year's Eve game, Carl. I'm going to have some fun with you here. The last time the Oilers won a game on New Year's Eve was 1985. Who did they beat, the Philadelphia Flyers or the Cleveland Barons? I'll have to go with the Flyers. <laughs> You're going to absolutely go with the Flyers because the Barons were no longer in the league in 1985, <laughs> and I know you know that, Carl. Absolutely. Thanks for calling, and Happy New Year. 4-3, the Jets beat the Oilers. Whenever Edmonton scores five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com. Then you can print up a coupon for a free appy, steak and seafood right at your table, Japanese Village, Edmonton South, downtown, north side, and Sherwood Park. As uh, the other goal I mentioned, Lemieux had two for the Jets. Tanev got a tip, two tips tonight. Mm-hmm for the Jets, and I, I saw some people on Twitter saying, when do the Oilers ever score a deflection goal? Not nearly enough. Chason had one. Yeah, well, it's funny you say that. There's a couple times tonight where the puck went back to the blue line for the Oilers, and they, they threw the puck on net, and there was one that was casting. I remember standing beside the goaltender. Again, I mean, you've got to be in front of the goaltender. Take away his eyes if you want to score. I mean, it, the tip, I mean, the, the great example was the Lemieux goal. He, he, he hit his body because he was in the way of the puck on its way to the net. And that's what the Oilers need to do more of. And when you aren't scoring goals, you go hang out in the blue paint. Just hang out. Eventually the puck, if, if, if you guys want to score, the puck's got to come there eventually. Let it hit your skate. I watched tonight, I watched some of the Calgary game. Neil has been just awful for, for Calgary this year. Finally gets off the schneid, scores a goal, hits his skate and goes in the net. That's the type of goals you got to score. The only way you can do that is you're hanging around the net. In Calgary tonight, the Flames beat the Sharks 8-5. As we look at the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer, drive away with your newer used trailer, edmontontrailer.com. Canadians over the Stars, 3-2. In overtime, Predators outscore the Capitals 6-3. Devils get another shutout, 4-0 over the Canucks. Pittsburgh wins 3-2 in mini. Islanders knock off the Sabres 3-1. Carolina over Philly 3-1. The Blue Jackets outscore Ottawa 6-3. New York Rangers 2-1 winners in St. Louis. Panthers in overtime, 4-3 in Detroit. Lightning in overtime, 2-1 in Anaheim. L.A. in overtime, 3-2 on the road against the Colorado Avalanche. World Junior Canada loses 2-1 to Russia. Uh, so is it 4-0 U.S. now? It is, yeah. I think they're reviewing the goal. I well, think it's going to count. It's at least 3-0. That's yeah. the beauty of video review. The score <laughs> changes sometimes, and it goes down. Uh, so if, if that holds, Canada plays Finland in the quarters. Yeah, Canada's playing the loser of this game, Finland and U.S. It's going to be Finland in that... I mean, I don't think Canada wants to play either one of these teams. That's why today's game was such a, an important game. They lost to Finland in the pre-tournament games, and the U.S. has got a very good club as well. All right, 780-496-0063. We have Jared standing by. Jared, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Hi, Oh, hey, man. How have you been? 
Yeah, first time I've called this year. Yeah, I know. I, I miss you calling on Inside Sports, too, but thank you for calling tonight. Uh, I just got uh, it's kind of a comment and a couple questions for Rob. When I watch, like, Nashville or Winnipeg or Washington or Tampa Bay play, and you just watch the team and you just know they're confident, like if they get down or if they lose a couple games in a row, and they believe that they can win. And I always say the Oilers had that one good season. But then all of a sudden, they lose that confidence. And this team doesn't have any. So they come in, they're playing Winnipeg tonight. And so they essentially lost against the team that their first line did nothing. So what I say to myself, do they have any hope? Like, they're like in a rebuild situation now. It seems like that's what it is now. Because they can't compete against the teams that have three or four good lines. I always think about Detroit in the mid-90s when they won their two Stanley Cups and when they beat Philadelphia one year. And Philadelphia essentially had one major line with Eric Lindros on it. And when they start coming at you in waves, it's just a matter of time before, like, the wall breaks down and you don't, you don't have a chance of, of winning. But my question for Rob is, is how do the Oilers, like, find that confidence that they actually believe they're a good team? Thanks, Jared. Well, a lot of it comes with being a good team. I mean, to be honest, to be to simplify it, I mean, if you're a good team and have had success over and over again, doesn't matter what the score in the game is, you know you're going to come back in it. We're good. I mean, the Calgary Flames for years have been a very good third-period team. Why? Because they've done it before and they believe in themselves. So when you go in at the end of the second period down a goal or two, you can just think, well, hey, we've been in this situation before. Unfortunately, it's got, uh, you know, the reverse too. If, okay, you know what, we've, we've played this team before. Oh, no, we gave up a goal. I, this is just like last game. Oh, they scored right after we scored. This is just like last game and we lost. Mm-hmm. So that goes through your mind as well. Um, that, I mean, it's hard to gain confidence without well, winning. And, that, and that's the age-old old question. And I, I, I've told the story. I usually refer to this once or twice a year, Rob, because I, I loved how he put it. I, I got the interview Buck Martinez. Was it 2015 when the Blue Jays... Remember, they were kind of a middling team, and then August 1st to the end of the season, they only lost 10 or 12 games or something and made the playoffs. And I I got to interview Buck during that run, and, and, you know, he played the game. He managed. He's been a broadcaster. He's he's been around baseball his life, and he says, well, that's the age-old question. What comes first, the confidence or the winning? Right? (laughs) Well, it's true. But for the biggest thing, being a former player, it's having been there before. It's having done it before. So you feel like, you know what? It's like when a guy that's going through a scoring slump, well, I've scored before. It, it just it, I don't just all of a sudden, the hands don't just disappear. The, the hockey IQ just doesn't disappear. So I know I'm going to score again. So just keep working hard. Eventually, the puck will go in for you. But right now, the Oilers, they've, they had that one brief thing of success uh, two years ago. That's, that's all they have really to rely on to get them through tough times. And we've seen it. Hitch talked about it a, a couple games ago. We've seen it enough here that when something bad happens, the bench seems to sag. Now, the one thing that we've seen more so this year, in parts of last year, is when the sag starts, there are certain players that still fight through the sag. Connor McDavid, when something bad happens, it doesn't seem to affect him. Leon Dreisaitl, the same thing. Nugent Hopkins, unfortunately, that's not near enough. Oilers lose 4-3 to the Jets. Nugent Hopkins scored his 14th of the season tonight in the first period to open the scoring. Here's the Nuge for BDO First Call Debt Solutions, Bankruptcies and Consumer Proposals, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. 
kind of yeah. much better, not quite what you wanted, but you see the kind of the signs of moving forward in it. <clears throat> I thought, yeah, <clears throat> overall, I thought uh, we had a pretty solid 60 minutes, a uh, couple breakdowns, a couple of mistakes cost us again, but uh, I thought for the most part uh, battled hard and um, just you know, with, uh, on the losing end. Of Can it be encouraging the way you guys performed, didn't sag, fought back, even though the results haven't been there? Well, we, we need to take it as a positive for sure. Um, when you're on a slide like this, I mean, you gotta you have to find a way to take positives from games. So uh, tonight we definitely should be able to. It's just a matter of uh, doing that and uh, making sure we have a, a good, solid road trip. How else they score? And how's they come shakily in those sort of guys? But tonight, with you, you've got you know, one greasy, one greasy, tip, two tips, and the greasy one. So yeah. No. No, but I mean they have a pretty uh, <clears throat> pretty deep lineup too. So um, they found a way to get goals from other guys and um, ended up being the difference. Uh, I mean, just about tied it at the end there too. It's just a great save. But um, yeah, I mean overall thought a lot better, a lot better tonight, a lot more consistent uh, with our play throughout the whole 60 minutes. So we just gotta gotta build on that and uh, move forward here. All right, there's the Nuge. Thought he had another strong game. 14th goal of the year, but the Oilers lose 4-3 to the Jets. And I mean, we're, we're hammering on the whole depth thing, but I remember in the summer when the Leafs signed Tavares and there was all the speculation and it was like, well, they, you know, Tavares, Matthews, and Kadri, And, you know, writers were saying, media guys were saying, you know, fans were saying they could have their three centers get between 100 and 110 goals combined. Because uh, at the time it was okay, maybe 40 Matthews, 30. I think Tavares is already up to 26 or 27. Yeah. Okay, so for context, Dreisaitl's on pace for in the low 40s. McDavid's on pace for in the low 40s. And Nuge is on pace for 30. <laughs> so they, they <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, well, it's, it, it's just more more evidence. Well, it, it's amazing, as well as those three are, are playing, that there's nothing... I mean, no one else is, 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 is chipping in or getting some freebies from them, just hanging around them, just playing with those guys. But it seems like it's always together when, they're, when there's pucks going in the net for them. Drysaddle's playing with McDavid or Nuge is playing with McDavid or they're all out there on the power play together. And that's why we saw Hitch go back to it again today. You can't go three centers on this team right now because there is not enough depth wingers to allow the star players to play the way they're capable of playing because... The puck dies on certain guys' stick, and all of a sudden you're more or less checking your star player by putting certain players with them. That's our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. All right, 780-496-0063. You will also hear from Petrovich and Manning, who make their Oilers debuts in a 4-3 loss to the Winnipeg Jets. Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osman Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio 630 Chan. 4-3 Winnipeg over Edmonton tonight. Oilers led it 1-0 after 1. Jets led it 3-2 after 2. Looked like it was going to be tied going to the 3rd. Dreisaitl made a 2-2 with a power play goal, 157 left in the second period, but Wheeler scored 29 seconds later. Dreisaitl tied it in the third with 12.37 left. Lemieux wins it on a tip with 5.58 to go. So six straight losses for the Oilers, and yes, this is, this is really weird. That record on New Year's Eve 
for the Oilers, 2-16-2. Last win was 1985. So that, I mean, we know the last 12, 15 years, there's a lot of ugly... Like, this goes back to Mm -hmm. teams... And obviously, they haven't played every single New Year's Eve. Is it too late to cancel next year's New Year's Eve game? They should should just say the buildings... Because, well, you can control your home games. You can say buildings not available, but you might get a road game. Uh, So, they well, they've played at Rogers Place all three years of the building. Lost 4-3 to the Jets tonight. Lost 5-0 to the Jets last year. Lost in a shootout to the Canucks first year of the building. So there you go. That's kind of just a random stat because the day of the year shouldn't really have much to do with anything. It but shouldn't. That's, that's pretty weird. But there's some bad karma for the Oilers on this night. we got to do something next year, have a little witch doctor come in and fix this. It's 10.35 in Edmonton. It's 12.35 in the morning, and it's 2019 in Boston. So I have no idea why Scott is calling us and not at a New Year's party, mingling with his friends and enjoying beverages, Scott. I mean, you're, you're a loyal caller. There's got to be something going on in Boston tonight. Something. All right. Am I on? <laughs> Hold on. No, I have a good answer. Happy New Year's. A great question gets a, a great... Yeah, great question gets a great answer. Rain, rain, rain here tonight. Yes, I could be on. I'm getting old, man. I'm 42. If I was 22, trust me, it would be on. I decided to stay in tonight, relax. I listened to a little bit of the game on the radio, and I am a loyal Oilers fan. As I've told you before, since I was uh, four years old and three feet tall and I could pronounce Gretzky, I love this team. And it annoys me that they've lost six in a a row. Couple points. I'll be quick. I can't believe I'm in 2019, you're in 2018. There's something kind of weird about that. Okay. <laughs> Winnipeg is a good team, without a doubt, obviously. But the Edmonton Oilers right now, they're not having any puck luck. You guys touched on it earlier, a tip, a this, a deflection. In poker, they call it running bad. You know, you're just not getting the breaks right now. Now, the only good thing about their six-game losing streak is that it comes at the end of the year, meaning something new starts tomorrow. There's a way to say, oh, clean the slate, let's do it again. They are now at 500. I once said on this show... If this team goes a game below 500, I'm kicking, I don't want to swear, you know what I want to say. I'll start firing people and sending people down to Bakersfield, all right? This team is better than 500. This is a pivotal part of this season right now. I still say their problem is mixing and maxing, uh, matching lines. McDavid drives say, I can never say his name. I say put someone big on the line. Forget speed now. Try someone big to create space. If well, the, the problem is, try, they the try thing is right on. now, you don't need to worry about that line. Drysaddle's line scores every game. I mean, he and Drysaddle and McDavid score every game. You don't have to worry about that line. It's the other three lines that are the problem. And I do, I do agree with Scott. This is, uh, this is pivotal. And I know Rob gives me a hard time for for watching, watching standings. standings. But you start getting four, six, eight points out of a playoff spot. I mean, they're they're five out now. This is getting dicey to me. Um, Jan- January is going to be massive. I mean, you got to you got to keep within. It, it is. Well, actually, wins. in all honesty, January is going to be an incredibly important month because I think the Edmonton Oilers' schedule in January is conducive for a bunch of wins. They don't have uh, – the teams are playing, not that they've well, got any weak systems. they play at San Jose. Yeah, but they play Vancouver twice in, in this. They who play, they can't beat. Well, who they should beat. They play Arizona. They play Detroit. They play Carolina. Um how many times they play Arizona twice? So I mean, these are games that are, are winnable games. They play it. You know, Anaheim is, is is not knocking it out of the park. L.A. Kings are behind them. So this is not. Uh, they've had much tougher stretches. This is this month is going to be the easiest stretch of games they're going to have all season long. 
So they've got to put together some wins in this month because February and March, it's going to get much, much tougher. Yeah, it's getting worrisome. Uh, no, it's going to be fine. New year tomorrow. Well, it is Caller a new year. just said that. It's already a new year where he called from. That was incredible. I wonder what, yeah, he should tell us what's going to happen. <laughs> Fred is up next on the open line. Oilers lose 4-3 to the Jets. Go ahead, Fred. Good. Uh, happy New Year, boys. Thanks. <laughs> uh, uh, this is Gary. Um, I just wanted to uh, ask um, Rob, because you got coached by Hitch, is there an opportunity, because it seems like we're in training camp here in Edmonton, versus, I mean, we're bringing in all these uh, defensemen, we're bringing in all these new forwards. I feel sorry for Hitchcock, but what I was going to ask is, since you've got expertise in that area, do you think that Hitch, because I think he even said it, is that these guys definitely need to be coached? Now, you wouldn't think that they'd have to be coached, but obviously these players that he has are underachievers, right? Underachievers in reference to the forwards and even our D, that maybe Hitch could get these guys in the playoffs. Well, Hitch has talked about the fact that he, he's he got this, – this team needs to be coached. He, he talked about the fact it doesn't need to be browbeaten right now. They, they need they need guidance. They need help. Now, I you say underachieving. I, that's where we're wondering, is this team underachieving or is this the players outside of Nugent Hopkins, McDavid, and Drysaddle? Is this what they are? So I think as the season goes on, you're going to find out whether or not this is a team that is underachieved for the first 40 games of the year and, and last year, or if this team was overestimated. So I think that's what you have. It's, it, this team's either underachieving right now or was overestimated what they're capable of doing. And Hitch is as good as any coach in the National Hockey League at getting the most out of his players. So... As this season goes on, he's going to get every ounce he can out of this team, and it's whether or not there's enough in this team to be a playoff team. I Beginning of the season, Reed and I both felt that this is a playoff hockey club. I did say barely. Yeah. I did say barely. Yeah, and I agree, and I thought they'd be fighting for a wild card spot, and I, I, I still believe that. They need a bit of a run. They need some goaltending. Uh, and they can they can get that run going. But Hitch will get everything he can out of this team. It's a matter of if this team is good enough or not. Alex Petrovich making his Oilers debut tonight in a 4-3 loss to the Jets. Here he is for GCL Diesel, genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices, gcldiesel.com. Did you make it a game? And what were the nerves and jitters like for you? Uh, you know, I thought the game we uh, played hard. Um, it was tight all the way to the end, and... You know, a couple of little mistakes and whatnot. Uh, I think just easy stuff that we can clean up on. And, um, yeah, I think we just got to stay positive from here on out and just kind of bring that effort night in, night out. I think uh, I think we're going to have better outcomes. Um, I think being an oiler, it's an unbelievable feeling. Uh, you know, obviously tonight, not the best feeling after the game, but um, it was good to, to get the nerves out. And, uh, yeah, I'm just uh, really excited to be here. Uh, Alex, that's a game that went right down to the wire. Is that a sign of encouragement or positive things to be going up against one of the league's best like that? Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it really is. I mean, like you said, they're one of the best one of the best teams in the league. I thought uh, we were right there with them the whole way, and uh, could have been a couple of balances. Uh, Hellebuck made a good save at the end there. Uh, could have went to overtime. So yeah, I think we just, just got to stay positive in here, and uh, you know, keep with that same effort. Alex Petrovich, Edmonton kid, 
No, and Edmonton Oilers after playing a few seasons with the Florida Panthers. 4-3, Jets take down the Oilers. We'll take a quick timeout. Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 4-3, Winnipeg beats Edmonton tonight at Rogers Place. The Oilers have lost six straight. They're down to 18-18-3 on the season. Usual suspects getting the goals, two for Dreisaitl, one for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for joining us. Hope you're having a great New Year's Eve. We're wishing you all the best in 2019. And we have Joanne on the open line. Hi, Joanne. Thanks for calling. Thanks very much for taking my call. I was watching the Calgary game and I was watching what was happening in the Edmonton Joanne, oh she's, okay we lost Joanne, okay well hopefully she'll call back uh, okay we'll go to Phil then Phil, do we have you? Happy New Year guys. Thank you Hey uh, we've been talking about depth we need depth right? Yeah um, I listen to you guys uh, in pretty much every game uh, I noticed at the end of this game, you guys were kind of dumping on Shirelli and a little bit on Hitchcock. And I'll tell you something. I, I Prior to the games, I go on the Internet and I see the lineups that Hitchcock's putting out there, okay? And today i seen McDavid centering the line, Dreisaitl centering the line, Hopkins centering the line. As soon as i seen that, I said, you know what Hitchcock's doing here? He's using his three top guys to try and pull up the play of his borderline bottom nine. Okay? I can see Hitchcock's logic in doing that. Okay, um, Just like I've, I've spoken to you guys before about a couple of years ago at the beginning of the year, we had the uh, McDavid line scoring, we had the Dreisaitl line scoring, we had the Lucic line scoring, and then all of a sudden McClellan tore it all apart and made one super line, and things went downhill from there. Um, that being said, now, Shirelli. Okay? Shirelli's our general manager. Okay, I've alluded to this before in talking to you guys. We've got a dollars and cents issue. It's easy to say, oh, well, get different players, get different players. But at the end of the day, we're talking dollars and cents, right? Yep. Everybody's got a salary cap. Everybody's got a budget to work with, right? Um, one of the things, I mean, we signed McDavid at $12.5 million, which is, you know, pretty high. But uh, there we are. We're, we, we've got that, right? Uh, one of the th- things that we he, he did that, is obviously a boat anchor is a six million dollar Lucic, but we're stuck with them, right? Yep. We can't trade them, we can't get any value out of them, right? So, I mean, it's easy to say, well, he should, he should. We, we've got a problem here, we've got a problem there, but how about we say, how can we fix this? Okay. Now, looking at the dollars and cents factors, okay. I mentioned Lucic is a problem we can't get rid of. Um, yeah, we need more out of him, and and his idea of hopefully having Hopkins. Pull, help him pull up the socks a little bit. It's a good idea, I think. Okay. When it comes to dollars and cents, okay, we got a couple of good goalies. Okay. I know you guys like Talbot. I like Koskinen. Okay. You guys have the right to be wrong, just what as do, I do. Okay. We like Koskinen. <laughs> We've never said anything that we didn't no, like Koskinen. We have said Koskinen has outplayed Talbot this year. I've just said I, I don't think we should throw Talbot on the scrap heap. No. Like you're but I, but I, I'm, I'm a fan of Koskinen, what he's done this year. But dollars and cents again, at the end of the year, both these guys are free agents. Yes. Talbot's, Talbot's a $4.16 million guy. Koskinen is a, a $2.5 million guy. Okay? He, won't be at, he won't be at the end of the year. 
No, but he'll be at three, three point oh, two, oh, hopefully. Right? Oh, I, I doubt well, that I mean, too. We're talking, we're talking dollars and cents, and this is what Shirley has to deal with, right? We can't have this much money spent on our goaltenders. Do we have to look at possibly trading Talbot and bringing in uh, a young? Backup for Koskinen. I, well, yeah, I, well, I clearly think it's possible Talbot could be traded before but, the deadline. But, but at the point that happens, there's not going to be hardly any money left on Talbot's contract, anyways, because that yeah. the, it's in March. So and you're not saving that much. And the starting goal, uh, I would be pretty safe in saying that the starting goalie for the Oilers next year will make four million or more a season. Yes, because that's. Boy, you're, that's you're, even light you're on. Get. That's light. But I mean, what what people have said though is with. Uh, you're talking about what can we do to make it better. They're talking about the fact that the tr- problems that the Oilers are in are self-inflicted when it comes right. to salary and cap. Right, and that's what Phil is, and he's right. I mean, that's there's not a lot of maneuverability nope. under the cap. No, there isn't. They can't say, okay, we're going to get uh, a 28-goal score off a bad team and add his $4.5 million salary by trading a prospect because they can't. They'd have to trade out somebody no, else well, yeah, and that's salary. And that's why the others are in the problem. The trouble that they're in right now is because they put themselves in that kind of problem where they've uh, overpaid for certain players and overestimated other players, and now it's hard to fix the problems they have because they're a salary cap team. All right, Brandon Manning, whoever thought he would be an Edmonton Oiler. He is now. Here he is for BDO First Call Debt Solutions, Bankruptcies and Consumer Proposals, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. Morning, uh, Ken told us you had your pregame meal on the plane. A busy day, I wonder. Maybe just take us through a little bit and how you felt settling in tonight with your new team. Yeah, I think I was uh, more nervous because I haven't played in a few weeks than, uh, you know, actually being nervous to be with a new group. So, um, yeah, it was a long day, but, um, you know, it probably took me a period to feel better. And then in the third, I could feel it kind of catch up to me a little bit. But, um, you know, I'm pretty excited to be here, part of this group, and uh, looking forward to uh, continuing. The hits got you in the game. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, that's kind of part of my game and, you know, something I pride myself on. And, um, you know, guys will say it all the time, kind of hit or be hit to get into the game. And, you know, for me, that was an easy way to kind of get my legs under me and get started. The goal, the the fourth goal, is that one of those ones where you're trying to tie the guy's stick up and he waves at it and it goes in? Yeah, I think, you know, I got to do a better job. Um, You know, that's my guy the whole way. And, you know, you got to get a stick no matter what. So, yeah. you know, maybe accident, maybe not, but uh, for me, I got to have a better position there and make sure he doesn't touch that puck. What was uh, your thoughts on joining this team? Obviously, a bit of a history with, with Connor. What did, you, what did you feel when you first got the call? Uh, I was excited. Um, like I said last night, you know, when I heard Edmonton, that wasn't the first thing that popped in my head. Um, you know, I think, you know, they're guys down the mid- middle with Nugent and Dreisaitl and uh, Connor is pretty deadly. And then, uh, you know, you look at the young guys coming up and playing well and um, obviously closer to home for me. I think, uh, you know, it's a pretty cool opportunity in Canadian City. So, um, you know, I'm definitely excited to be here. All right, that's Brandon Manning. Brandon Escott work in the Oilers dressing room tonight. Oilers lose 4-3 to the Winnipeg Jets. For face-off trivia, the Oilers currently have three players in their organization who have been named WHL Defenseman of the Year. Dan knew all of them, Chris Russell, Alex Petrovich, and Ethan Bear. He goes into the grand prize draw for a $1,000 prepaid Visa gift card courtesy Alpine Credits. Homeowners get approved. Visit alpinecredits.ca. That's face-off trivia. Okay, uh, we got time for a couple quick calls here. We'll go with Rocket first. Rocket go ahead yeah just a couple of quick things uh happy new year by the way um uh, manning i love his uh hit first mentality i think that could be contagious on a team so uh i was 
I was pretty impressed with uh, with him tonight, with the exception of I guess what was just talked about, yep. where he fanned on a shot or whatever. And I think Rob Brown, you're exactly right. We have too many bottom six guys that uh, get put into situations that uh, you know they're not meant to be in. And, and you know, and if we had all those guys battling for just bottom six instead of top six. You know, Shirelli's made that mistake. He never replaced Eberle, and I, I, I strongly believe that that'll be his downfall on oh. this team. So, Thanks, Rocket. Okay, and we'll also bring Mike onto the show for the, whoa, the final call of 2018. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Um, yeah, I, I actually, you know, yesterday it was like a bomb went off. <laughs> And today, you know, everybody, I think, settled down and gave these two uh, new defensemen a bit of a chance. And I didn't mind what, what I saw there. I, they were better than what I expected. I think Petrovic actually uh, helped uh, settle down Nurse. Um, yeah, I'm wondering if you think, though, this is, those kind of two moves are sort of pr- preliminary moves and there's, there's more to come because I think we have, like, once everybody's healthy, we're going to have 10 defensemen for six spots. Yeah, good question. Yeah, they're, they're, Jones will probably go down. Yeah. Well, then again, he's played pretty high. No, right he now. has played very well. Hitch has liked what he's seen out of him. Um, yeah, I, I don't see any major moves. I, I think the Oilers. I mean, the Oilers really only have the three three big guys, unless you're going to move a a, a Puljujarvi or someone uh, like that. So I, I don't see a huge move coming. But I I don't believe that the Oilers are going to stand pat with what they have the remainder of the season. It'll be interesting to see what happens and when it happens. All right. Our next broadcast will indeed be in 2019. The Oilers hit the road to face Arizona. 6 o'clock face-off show on Wednesday, and the game will start at 7.30. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our engineer here at Rogers Place, and to Patrick Bauer, our studio producer back at 6.30. Chet. Rob, Happy New Year. Always a pleasure, buddy. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to everybody listening tonight. Stay safe tonight. You get more on 630Ched.com. Jets beat the Oilers 4-3. Six straight regulation losses for the Oilers. The game presented by Osmond Auction. You've been listening to the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. My name is Reed Wilkins. Happy New Year. Take care. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.